0: Hi there, our summer share has been extended. Share the show with five of your friends, get them to subscribe, and get exclusive content, access to our Truth or Dare episode that nobody else will get to hear, and be entered to win a copy of Tiffany's book, Midnight in the Piazza. Extended till October 1st, spread the word, tell a friend, read more at thebittersweetlife.net on our about page. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And Tiffany's very quiet because it's late and this is our last night together in Rome. I know. Things always end so fast. I know and we we were both so tired that I don't know. We've spent a lot of time together recently, like a lot of time with the book tour and all that stuff. And, and so we forget that most of the time we're not actually in the same room together. So tonight, Aurelia was getting sick. I had been walking all over the city, moving my bags from one place to another, getting ready to leave tomorrow. And we were supposed to get together earlier and then it didn't happen. And now it's just late. By the time I got to your house, it's what, 10.30? No, 10.45 p.m. As we record right now. Oh, this could be
1: like the latest we've ever recorded. Could be. We'll have to keep our eye on the time as well, because the metro closes at a certain hour. I know. So that would be a problem. So this might be a
0: shorter episode, but we did think that we should do, after all these episodes, after all this exploration of Rome and all the episodes that we wanted to do that we didn't get done, that we should do at least do a goodbye episode to Rome this particular time. Sounds good. At least a good episode to us together in Rome. Not that we ever say goodbye to Rome totally on this show, right? So, But for now. But for now. So this trip has been different. And we talked about that a little bit. I have come here a few different times since living here. I've lived here and then I came back again, as you guys know, because you've heard the episodes. This is the first time I've been here alone. I think it was also the first time where we really came to work I came to work. I mean, I've always come to work, but I came to work specifically on the show with you to record episodes, but also to talk about business decisions. And a lot of what I had done while I was here was meetings with people and meeting people who might be able to help the show so that we can make sure it actually survives. It's all this networking. Plus, we did the live events and stuff like that. So it's been great in this really cool way in the sense that we met all these new people. But it's been a lot of working and not as much the way I usually am in Rome where I put in exploring. And it's not like I didn't have time to do it. Even though I was editing tape and organizing things and making lists and all this stuff, I could have fit in more exploration, really. Maybe. Maybe I could have. Why didn't you? I don't know. Like I think part of it was like my mindset was off. Have you ever had that where you you travel and for whatever reason all this stuff that's going on in your life you want to get work done you're trying to accomplish something but for me you know as you know i'm coming from a massive time of transition like i've gone from new orleans to San Francisco and, and then to here, and it's everything's just so untethered. I feel sometimes like all I'm doing is wandering through cities past people I don't know who are engaging with one another. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Even though I'm I'm a little bit more involved than that, but I think that is what I'm at. It's almost like this, and this is the weird thing too. I can't even describe it. I kind of love this period. I feel like I'm pretty happy in this period, but I also feel like I'm kind of a ghost in it. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm not actually... Uh, I'm engaging with you and I'm engaging with the listeners at the live shows and stuff. But I, but I feel like in the majority of my life, what I'm doing is wandering the world, trying out this job, exploring this block, walking past all these people who know each other, who have been here all along and I'm new and not engaged in it. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Does it feel weird? Does it feel lonely?
0: The more I do it, the more I'm kind of at peace with it, which is the weird thing. But it also gets... I'm very good at seeing like a lot of little details as you know and I'm getting to that point where I'm like am I seeing it anymore? Everything is new and so I think I whitewash it, the things that are not as new as much and so I think maybe that might have happened a little bit with Rome mm. but then of course I decided in my last days I'm here. I got a Go do the Coliseum. Do something. Did yeah, you go to the Coliseum? I mean, and I've walked this entire city. It's not to say that I have not explored. I walked from that way to this way, all the way. I've seen everything. I've revisited all these places. But I haven't gone into galleries like you and I have done, right? Mm-hmm. Did I go to the Coliseum? No. <laughs> and I was going to go to the Stadium of Domitian. Did I do that? No. So yesterday, I went, and I don't remember the name of the church, and maybe you will. But I was like, okay, I'm going to walk and I'm going to really see and I'm going to have no agenda. And we were doing the live show yesterday and I was like, that's the one thing I've got to do. Otherwise, I'm just going to put the work aside and I'm going to live this because I'm about to leave. And I went to, what's the church that's up the 134 stairs? Santa Maria Naraceli. Okay. That's the one. It's right by the Piazza del Campidoglio. Yes. Thank you. So I walked up those stairs and I went into that church. Oh, I haven't been up there in a while. It's a beautiful church. It is a beautiful church because it's got
1: so many chandeliers I mean, Come on. Yeah, it's just my third cousin got married there when I first came to Rome. Like when I decided that I was gonna move to Rome. I came for her wedding in May. (laughs) I moved to Rome in September. It was May of 2004. They invited me to come and sing in their daughter's wedding, and she got married there, and she walked up those stairs in her wedding dress. And let me tell you, every single tourist in piazza venencia was taking pictures of her
0: <laughs> that picture has been taken every time i feel like you can't be a bride in rome really and not have your picture taken by a bunch of strangers i've taken so many brides photos since i've been here <laughs> i'm like that creep um mm-hmm. uh, where i'm just like oh my god I a bride walking down the street uh, look how dirty your dress is and also wow she looks amazing <laughs> um so i walked up the stairs and i went into that church And it was one of many things like I did. I walked into a lot of places yesterday and I got that old fashioned sense of discovery, even when I was going back to new places and I walked in that church. And of course, I don't know if you remember, but there's a Pantaricchio in there, like a big, there's a chapel of him. Mm -hmm. And he was an early entry for me into Rome back when I was very uncomfortable back when I make this discovery When I'm totally dislodged here, back when Derek and I first arrived, and and it was that moment we've talked about before where I realized I could learn anything I want here. I have the time. I can research anything. And I decided to start out that I was going to try to figure out who Raphael was because I didn't really, I knew his name, obviously, but I didn't know much about him. In that investigation, I discovered Pintericchio because he is his mentor. He trains underneath him. And so I got kind of interested in him. And I kind of like his style, which some people think
1: his style is really flat. But I think he's quite rich in some ways. I love the early Renaissance guys. I really, really like Pinturicchio. I mean, have you guys been to the Vatican? I can't even remember. Yes. Did you go into the Borgia apartment? Yes. That's all Pinturicchio. The entire thing is painted by Pinturicchio. I love Raphael, don't get me wrong, and Michelangelo. But like the early not the early, early Renaissance, but like the fourteen eighty, fourteen seventies. 1470s, it's different. It's it's simpler in a way. The perspective isn't as strong, but it's, I don't know, I love it. Well, they also have these rich landscapes behind them and stuff. Mm -hmm.
0: Once you start to really explore Rome, you see how all of these artists influence each other across centuries and centuries. You start to see the dotted lines, but... That was the first direct one I knew where I knew that they had worked together and Penta had taught Raphael what he knew. So that was the first connection I had really made. And so it was like a, a reminder of that connection, like a very vivid reminder and been like, oh, yeah, all along, all of this stuff is here. And it's not like I haven't seen it. I don't know. I haven't absorbed it enough.
1: Yeah. You know? Sometimes you just need like a little reminder. I feel the same way totally different situation from you but living in Rome and you know I used to be always out and exploring and seeing and soaking everything up and now I'm kind of you know I've got other stuff going on and I'm not in it I'm not in the middle of it and sometimes I forget that it's it's all still there it's all still happening
0: I know and I kind of hate that I know that it can't be sustained in certain ways but you would think
1: for me who doesn't live here
0: (laughs) it could be sustained
1: yeah I mean it depends I think it's probably got to be difficult when you're on a trip that's pretty much a work trip to divide out time for that yeah i mean i've never done that really i've never i have been on precious few work trips in my life you know like going to seattle was pretty much a work trip but it was you know it was my hometown and it wasn't like i felt like i needed to go sightseeing but i can imagine (laughs) that going to a city like if i had to go to paris for work It would be difficult to like say, okay, today I'm going to do work and tomorrow I'm going to go to the Louvre, you know? So don't feel bad. Our former
0: intern, Estrella, and I talked about this when we went out for lunch. She's leaving Rome this year and she's moving back to the States. And she was just saying that for her, when her life in Rome became so much more about commuting and going to work, Mm -hmm. where she had to be this place and that place and this place and that place all the time, that it really did zoom it down into this all I do is deal with the transportation system and you guys had a rough winter and you know it was not the most glorious of experiences it was just a lot of moving from one place to another and
1: you just don't absorb what's amazing about the place right that's a big part of being an expat in a place that's glorious that everyone wants to live in it's like eventually though it does just become the city that you live in yeah and and you eventually have to deal with boring stuff no matter how beautiful your surroundings are you're eventually going to have to be like dealing with commuting and dealing with paying bills and waiting in line in post offices and ugh. (laughs) it's that's like what a lot of people who come to Rome for like you know shorter periods of time you know you don't think about it you just think oh life is just beautiful here it's just going to be awesome all the time
0: when I think about it and I think about the fact that I'm leaving tomorrow I think I'll have some regrets about what I didn't do. But at the same point, I feel, also feel like I totally lived it. And this is why I'm having such a hard time of describing it. Like I still woke up every morning and opened my windows and listened to the sounds in the courtyard as the farmer's markets going on when I was living in Trastevere or the kids playing there in the afternoon, rosy ringed parakeets in the sky or the sound of the seagulls at night. I mean, I feel like I absorbed all that too. I totally watched all of it and did all of it and lived it, too. What am I really... What are you missing? Right. But it somehow felt different.
1: Maybe you're missing someone to share it with.
0: Mm, Ooh. Uh, Katie travels alone.
1: (laughs) (laughs) She doesn't do as well. (laughs) I actually think I did pretty well, too, by the way. You did. You did. But I can imagine that, especially if you've always shared Rome with Derek, you know, to come back alone for the first time. Might feel a little bit like, oh, you know, you turn almost automatically to be like, oh my God, look at that. Oh, wait a minute, I'm alone. (laughs) Well, and to be fair, I think it's also you. What do you
0: mean? Not to make a point on it, but you and I have spent a ton of time together. But the you that used to be like, on Saturday, we're going to such and such an exhibit. When I lived here, we had that habit of every Tuesday you came over, we had tea, we recorded a podcast. Then other days you might come over for tea or you might not. But I definitely saw you on Saturday and we went and did something. Yeah,
1: yeah, we definitely did. I, that was nice. I miss those days. I mean, I love my life now. I love my Aurelio and, and everything. But I do kind of miss just being like, okay, it's Saturday. Let's go to an exhibit. So, yeah, I think I was also just missing that. Your but exploration partner. If I don't have an exploration
0: partner, does that mean that I work? cook pasta alone at home and like watch Netflix is that what I do (laughs) I would argue that you didn't just do that very early on I went to the non-catholic cemetery the protestant cemetery I love that place yeah I love it too and it's sort of like going to a park in the city filled with cats and dead people (laughs) and beauty keats became sort of a theme like i went to his grave Mm -hmm. at the beginning as i often do i often go there as an early start because i'm you know you think i'm morbid but i think i'm existential so i went and visited his grave and point being today my last day is there and i'm trying to walk in directions i don't usually walk which is usually i try to avoid big tourist hubs but i decided i was going to walk straight up so that you're at the top of the spanish steps and come down and when i got to the bottom the keats and shelley museum was there
1: mm-hmm.
0: i had never actually gone to the museum i went in and it's not big it's four rooms and it's really four rooms of next and nothing <laughs> like if you don't if you don't care about percy shelley or john keats you're like oh okay <laughs> but i do because they kind of that story has always been a thing that's their are stories you, are so like, tragic. And you like death, so. They I will- don't like death. <laughs> you chase it. I don't <laughs> chase it. Maybe in my 20s. I don't you chase it. You welcome it. No, I don't. Okay, <laughs>
1: stop. You are preoccupied about it. Is that it? I'm, a, I'm overly aware of it. You're overly aware. Okay, I knew it was one of those things. I will give it overly
0: aware. <laughs> I will not say I'm preoccupied or definitely not chasing it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All of these stories are kind of tragic. I'm not going to go into like the history of John Keats and, and Percy Shelley, but very briefly, John Keats, he got tuberculosis and he moves to Rome to try to recover. And he moves into this building that's right off the Spanish Steps and he doesn't recover and he dies and he dies on my birthday. Oh
1: my God. In the
0: early 1800s. No, he died on your birthday. I know. In his 20s, like his mid 20s. He was 25. Yeah. He was
1: just a... A baby. He was a baby think about 25 year olds now and just think what he did by his 25th birthday I
0: mean, he becomes like a renowned poet and he's so self-aware The museum itself was totally eye-opening and this is why I think I'm so glad I did this He not only dies of tuberculosis at 25. He had been the nursemaid to his brother mm-hmm. who had died of tuberculosis at 19 And his mother had also died of tuberculosis. Oh, my God. So tragic. So the moment he coughed blood into his hand or
1: whatever, he knew. He knew what was happening. Do you remember what his gravestone says? Yes, I do. It says, here lies one whose name was writ in water. Right. So it's my understanding that part of
0: the reason why he wanted that to be written was because he laid in bed dying, listening to the boat fountain below the Spanish Steps courtyard.
1: Oh, that's so interesting. I do know that he did not want his name on his tomb. He didn't think that he was deserved to have his name on his headstone, which is just bizarre. And you think also a name that's written in water means something that's going to fade away, something that's going to disappear which of course was the opposite of what happened
0: afterwards all of those guys end up being much more famous than they ever were in real life
1: yeah during their lives you mean yeah i mean it's still real life
0: (laughs) we are all in living currently in real life and they lived or are (laughs) we they did but they weren't famous like that they weren't probably thinking that their letters would be under glass in a museum that i went to today not
1: just that but i've probably been to the non-catholic cemetery three times three times why does that not seem like a lot I mean I've been there so many
0: times (laughs) yeah I know times total I think so oh my god every
1: single time I've been there some weepy early 20 something girl has been like putting flowers on John Keats's grave it's a thing girls come to Rome very romantic obviously intellectual types (laughs) literary types Clearly, this is a Suzanne thing. Yeah, Suzanne would have done this when she was 22. Well, I'm sure she did on Chopin's grave. But they come to Rome, and they they leave like tulips on John Keats's grave. They're upset. There's so many young women who are obsessed with John Keats. It's hilarious.
0: Ah, okay. So I want to read you something. So when he was dying, so his friend Joseph Severn, who's an artist, Mm -hmm. takes care of him during his dying days in Rome. And when he knows he's dying, they're trying to figure out where to bury him. And he asks Severin to go to the non-Catholic cemetery and check it out for him and bring back a description. I took a picture of the plaque because I loved the quote. So his friend goes and he says, he expressed pleasure at my description of the locality of the pyramid of Chesius.
1: It's a giant ancient Roman pyramid. It looks like an Egyptian pyramid, except smaller. Right,
0: so it's just sort of hanging on to the edge of where the cemetery is.
1: Mm-hmm. You can see it
0: from, from John Keats's grave, actually, it's like across the lawn. And so he later says that he tells him about the grass and the many flowers and particularly the violets, also about a flock of goats and sheep that a young shepherd had there. All of these intensely interested him. Violets were his favorite flowers, and he joyed to hear how they overspread the graves. He assured me that... Quote, he already seemed to feel the flowers growing over him. Ooh, ooh.
1: I think there are always violets on his
0: tomb, right? Well, now it's so cultivated. I don't know, but I
1: feel like there are there are purple flowers growing there.
0: Probably, but there are pictures of what it's kind of like an open lawn still, mm-hmm. but there are pictures of like what that lawn looked like back when he would have died, and it's this untended, wild-looking lawn. I mean, it's not pictures, sorry, paintings. Mm-hmm this wild looking lawn where there are literally shepherds wandering about with this giant pyramid behind it but it's still a cemetery and there's hardly anybody buried there and he had this notion where he loved that it was just this wilderness where stuff was going to grow back over you again Mm. so going along with your written water interpretation it's the same thing as like let the violets grow upon me you know Mm. let the daisies go on on me that's all good all of this
1: made me very like poetic and peaceful i can see that i can see that and percy shelley you know how he died his boat capsized i believe yeah but we don't know if he went out because he wanted to die or because that's true that's true
0: and that's still a debate like people say no no he didn't want to die and some people are like no no he
1: did yeah i don't i don't know enough about his life story to even hazard a guess at that i do know that he died off the coast of Viareggio near pisa
0: I also read in this museum that there is a supposedly he had a copy of Keats's book in his pocket.
1: I think I remember hearing that.
0: I don't know why we went down this path, but I'm just saying this is what my final days of Rome have been. And so if it starts with Keats and it's filled with us working on this show, it somehow stands to reason that ending it with him makes it somehow a complete story. Oh, I love that. Do you do that where you try to go, well, what would be the ending chapter? It's not like I plan to go there. I accidentally came down the steps and I was like, oh, I guess I could go there. I've never been there. I got
1: time. It was fate. Oh, come <laughs> now. <laughs> uh, off the heels of our live show talking about fate. <laughs> yeah, right. So it's on, on our minds. It gave me the poetic feeling that I look for when I come here.
0: Well, oh, that's good. It is good. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's too late for me to add anything slightly interesting. Sorry.
0: So we should end it here. Otherwise, you're going to miss your train. All right. I might already miss it. So we're going to end it here and say, and that's not Keats. That's just a fun <laughs> message. <laughs> it's, it's Keats from beyond. Spe- He's like, go to the train. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for spending all this time with us in Rome. I guess the episode after this one will be somewhere
1: else. Yeah. Who knows? Could be anywhere.
0: Could be anywhere. I'm going to listen to see what Keats has to say. Okay.
1: <laughs> you report back on that.
0: I'll report back. And thank you so much for hanging out with me so much. Oh, I'm going to miss for-
1: actually being in the room with you. I know. Me too. Thank you for coming all this way. <laughs> and until
0: uh, next time, I'll see you on the other side of the pond. All right. Until next time, this is The Bittersweet Life. i Kitty Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Join us again. Bye. Visit the donate page on our website, thebittersweetlife.net. All donations are reserved exclusively for the creation of audio content. Your financial support keeps us strong. Thank you.